Welcome to the Bob Siegel Show podcast on the Cross Global Media Radio Network. Visit cgmradio.com slash bob to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Welcome to a special encore presentation of the Bob Siegel Show. Oh, who are we kidding? Everyone knows that's radio lingo for another repeat. I'm not in the studio right now. I'm enjoying Christmas vacation, which means I obviously pre-recorded this new introduction for an old program. However, for what it's worth, this is no random repeat. It is one of my favorite shows and one of the audience's favorites. Back in the year 2007, co-host Lori Lewis and I had the honor of interviewing Sylvia Lang, niece of Hugh Martin, famous for composing, among other things, the popular hit song, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Sylvia's uncle Hugh was still alive when she came on my program. He did pass away a number of years later at the ripe old age of 96. And I got to tell you, those were 96 years in which our world was richer. We continue to play the show as a tribute. We are celebrating Christmas and celebrating it with music. As you've noticed by now, we are not just a talk show. Often we feature music either for parody purposes or just because we like music. But what musical artist could you possibly enjoy more than Lori Lewis, that talented multitasker who not only composes and sings, she sells jewelry, she slices, she dices, she assists me once a month as co-host. Lori, welcome back to the program. Well, thank you, Bob. It's good to be here, Mr. Bob, the monoblog guy. (laughs) Lori learned to a new word this week, everybody. Monoblog. No, you invented the word. I invented actually. the word monoblog. I have been blogging my brains up, but my blog is uh, number five now in the KCBQTownHall.com. Well, you definitely 10. have something to toot your horn about. I'm congratulations. It, it sounds better when you toot the horn for me. Oh. It made me sound humble and you know, yes, you're so such a humble. You just keep bringing those things up, and we'll pretend I didn't bring soft-spoken person. <laughs> okay. Well, you have a guest. Tell us a little bit about. I, I her. do. Well, you know, you're talking about Lori Lewis, this great musician here, but I am so excited about my friend. She is very special. Sylvia Lang is here with us today, and I will tell you a little bit about her. And there's her. a very well-known, famous Christmas um, carol that she's uh, associated uh, with. But we're not going to tell everybody. Oh, you're playing the Always Leave the Morning More I like that. Thing. Yeah, you know. Okay, I'm well, doing the Ryan Seacrest thing. <laughs> okay. After this break. Well, we'll look forward to hearing Sylvia in just a few minutes. First, welcome in the beautiful music of Lori Lewis.
I'm joined with my co-host, Lori Lewis, but we also have a featured guest, Lori. She's a good friend of yours, so I will let you introduce her. This woman I met a couple of years ago, and um, we just hit it off. She is so wonderful. Well, everybody hits it off with you. That's nothing new. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us something we don't know. Um, Well, she's a gifted singer, and uh, I remember when she first gave me her card, it was just kind of really neat with her picture, and it was a speaker who sings and a singer who speaks. Was that right, Sylvia? That's right. And Sylvia has uh, quite an amazing um, background. Uh, She is a contemporary group member of um, Crimson Bridge. I said that really backwards. She is a member of the contemporary group Crimson Bridge, and she's also um, toured and shared the stage with great artists and speakers. Beth Moore, one of my very favorites. Sandy Patty, who is just an amazing... What was that like, being on tour with Sandy Patty? Humbling. Yes, I would imagine. An honor. And um, you know what? Sylvia Lang is just really neat. I've had a chance to sing together with her at one time. We did some worship together. But um, just hand it over to Sylvia, Bob. Come Sylvia, on. it is an honor to have you on our program. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for Especially having me. Especially during the Christmas season when you must be very busy and you've probably got other things to do. Now, tell us a little bit about uh, your background, uh, what made you love music, and what made you love Jesus. Well, I grew up in a musical family um, right here in San Diego. and um, But when I went away to school, I chose a career in business. And, um, what school did you go away to? I went to Loma Linda University okay. at the Riverside. Okay. And uh, then I went on to get a graduate degree in business and pursued for about 20 years a career in business in various aspects of different industries. And But music was always kind of in the background of my life um, in one way, shape, or form. I sang as a hobby. I had an opportunity um, when I lived in Los Angeles for many years to do a lot of session work. Um, I got to tour with some fun people um, in my spare time, in my off time. But music was never a, a full-time gig for me until seven years ago. And music is now your full-time career? Music is my full-time career. And you're a published artist with several CDs out, I assume? That's right. I have three solo albums and um, have participated in two albums with a group that I'm a member of called Crimson Bridge. Now, do you sing exclusively Christian songs or do you sing a variety of music? I do exclusively Christian songs. I figure at this stage of life, I have a message that I want to say. And the only message that I think is of any importance is about my relationship with God and how I think he can change lives. So so you don't see anything wrong with uh, Christian artists singing other oh, songs. It's just that in your particular case, you're saying life's short and this is what God has life called is me short, to do. Life is short. This is what I feel I'm asked to do at this stage of life. But no, I love it when Christian artists are in the secular world. I think it's tremendous. Wonderful. Now, there is a song that we kind of teased our audience with. Tell us the name of this. Okay, we're go- we are now going to reveal the name of drum that roll, Christmas please. carol. Drum the roll, please. song. Well, at Christmas time, there's nothing that gets me in the mood quicker to be in the Christmas spirit than music. And one of my favorite songs is apparently the second most favorite song of America. It's it is. Number two on the Billboard charts, my understanding, at Christmas time, and it's called Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. What's fun about that song is it was written by a man that I call Uncle Hugh. Uncle Hugh's been in our family for over 30 years, and uh, in his day, in the 40s, he was a very prolific Broadway songwriter, having written many shows um, that premiered on Broadway and still run. What both. kind of shows has he written? This is very interesting. Well, I'm a big musical, uh, Broadway musical lover myself. Well, his most famous show probably would be um, a Judy Garland show that turned into a movie that was produced by MGM called Meet Me in St. Louis. Oh, my goodness. With the clang, clang, clang goes clang, the trolley clang, clang song. Clang, clang, clang the trolley oh. and the boy next door. And he wrote the songs to that? He did. He and his songwriting Dad. partner in that day, Ralph Blaine, wrote the score for that musical. And now, is he others. still around or is he passed He's on? He's still me. alive. Nope. Oh, well, then let's get him on our show. Can he still talk? Can he, he still can move? He can still talk. <laughs> okay. He's a 
amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> he's amazing. Well, I'm sure people will ask if I could still move when I move on in years. Hey, Uncle Hugh can outmove and outthink any of us in this room. Well, it's I'm been sure. nice talking to you, Sylvia. That was Sylvia. <laughs> We're going to bring Uncle Hugh on for the rest of the show. No, both um, seriously, we'd love to have him. What an honor! He's he's amazing. He's going to be 94 on his next birthday, and the man is still writing songs. He just finished yet another musical called The Member of the Wedding, and he's sharp as a well, tack. I'm familiar with the play, the non-musical yep. version of Member of the yep. Wedding. He so. has musicalized it, if that's a word. Everything gets musicalized. Yeah. You're not the only be, one making up gonna words today. It's going to be Iran, the musical. You there know, you everything go. gets musicalized. We make up words here So this was show. your favorite uncle growing up? This, this man is just such an amazing guy. He is such a great testament to me that age is just a number. It's all a matter of perspective and how we choose to look at our life. And at 90, almost 94, the man is as passionate and alive as a person could be. Now, did he live here in San Diego while you were growing up, or did he live in New York or he Hollywood? Was, he was raised um, in the South, and he went to he was raised in Birmingham, Alabama, and he went to New York as a young man. He entered a songwriting competition, had never written a song before in his life, won, and within a matter of a very short time, he was one of the first call writers uh, in that day. He became a contract writer for MGM Studios in Hollywood for years, but um, he was most known for the works that he put on Broadway. Boy, the, the classic MGM musicals. Okay, now this song, have yourself a little, Merry Little Christmas. You rewrote part of it yourself. I wish I could take credit for it. Actually, I didn't. But Uncle Hugh became a Christian later in his life. When he was in his 60s, he found himself in the hospital with a roommate who was a preacher. And that preacher told him about a God that he'd never heard about before that was real and authentic. And um, he made a decision to follow Jesus Christ that day in his hospital room. And his life changed from that moment on. Several years later, he and a friend, John Fricky, decided to rewrite the words of his own classic song. And they changed it to have yourself a blessed little a Christmas, blessed as little I Christmas. understand. But to you've done a recording of I this. have. I have. I took Uncle Hugh himself in the studio, and the song we're about to hear is actually Uncle Hugh playing in okay. that old Broadway style. This is Sylvia Lang singing for Uncle Hugh. Very familiar, but it'll be have yourself a blessed little Christmas. is past Christmas present is here to stay bringing joy that will last have yourself a blessed little Christmas Christ the King
Sylvia Lang, whose uncle wrote that famous song that Mel Torme, of course, amongst other artists, made famous, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. And those of you that were just listening heard quite a treat. We heard the rewriting of that song and a new recording of it, Have Yourself a Blessed Little Christmas. And Sylvia, I loved that new version. I have to tell you, I liked it as it was before, too. So I certainly didn't feel it had to be rewritten. However, that was a very unique, very beautiful, and you have just a fantastic voice. Well, thank you. Now, we had started talking a little bit about your Christian testimony, and let's let's hear more about that. Now, exactly um, how did you become a Christian? Well, I was raised in a religious home and had the religious stuff down real um, clear. I was very good at being a religious girl for many, many years, and it wasn't until about eight and a half years ago that I finally began to understand the difference between being religious and truly having a relationship with God that meant something that was real in a touch-it-taste-it-feel-it kind of way. I um, found myself in a lifestyle that on the outside looked really good. I was running a multi-million dollar company. I had chosen a career in business, drove the right car, lived in a great house. This was up in Los Angeles at the time. Vacationed at all the right places, did all the right things, but inside was dying inside. Had a hole inside of me the size of this room. The and size of this room? We're it was a, a pretty, big one. We're in a pretty big room right now. It was a pretty big hole. It was a pretty big hole. And I tried to fill it with everything I knew how. I tried to fill it with accomplishment and that didn't work. I tried to fill it with men that certainly didn't work as every man of the month came and went. And but I believe you told us during the break that you're married to a perfect man. I am married to a pretty close no, she's to not perfect talking about man. Jesus. There's another perfect man, and his yeah, name is Wolf. His name is Wolf. You'd marry a guy named Wolf, wouldn't you, Lori? Wolf. Wolf is a sweet man. He's a he sweet man. And when you saw him and met him, did you go, Wolf? I just said, that's the guy for me. And he I'm, hasn't disappointed you yet? Not one How time. How many years have you and Wolf been married? We're going on seven years. I was an older bride. I was 41 when I got married for the first time. I was so busy uh, trying to make something of myself. Um, that there was no room for another person in my life. Uh, that hole that I talked about was really taking up all the space. Another thing I tried to fill up that hole, because it was awful living like that, was um, I tried uh, church. That was kind of an ironic twist to my story, because I had left church for years before that. And uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s, I found myself back in church again and realized that it was just another place that I could go look good. I mean, let's face it, people who go to church, we see each other once a week, maybe twice a week if 
we're involved in something, I can't think of a better place to go look good than church. Yeah, you know, it is interesting because to become a Christian, we must be blatantly honest about our sin. But then when we start going to church in time, we, we feel intimidated to confess our sins, unless we're perfect like Wolf, but we feel intimidated <laughs> to confess our sins and we start acting like Christians and acting spiritual instead of just uh, being who we really are. And who we are may be that we are walking with God one day, but there may be another day where we're not and, and we need to talk right. about it. We're humans and we're so afraid of what people are going to think about us so we don't have our life looking like it's all together. And I was one of those people because my life was anything but all together. Another thing I tried um, to fill up that hole was I started noticing somewhere along the line in social situations that when I'd have a, a glass of wine or a drink of some sort, um, that it would kind of take the edge off and I'd feel better. And so I'd have a second and it made me feel as normal as I thought the people around me were because I didn't feel anything close to normal in my life. But by the third or the fourth drink, I was making a fool of myself in public and I didn't want anybody to think badly of me. Remember, what you think of me is all that mattered. Well, can you tell us at least one or two of those things you did? Yourself look like a fool? <laughs> were you that one that was standing with the lampshade on, on the your table, head up on the coffee table? Very the close to it, I, I tell you. I thought that was her. I standing next to me. To it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the truth is, is by the time I was 30 years old, I believe I was a full-blown alcoholic and I could hardly even say the word. I was so ashamed of that because uh, I perceived alcoholism as something that was just for people who lived in the gutters and not for someone who looked as good as me and or at least my perception of that. And so I nursed that growing problem for a long time. I took it underground, actually, and became one of the latest secrets I kept from all my good church friends. I couldn't afford for anybody to know the truth about how bad it had gotten. And then one night I kind of reached the end of my road and um, I've been watching for weeks and months a neighbor across the street. I kind of peek out through my curtain and look in on her life. Kind of creepy when you think about it, really staring out through my curtains at this neighbor. But I didn't really know her, but she was one of those people that have that certain sort of undefinable something that I just knew there was something special and centered about her. I would witness her um, talking respectfully to her kids and loving, lovingly to her husband. So I woke her up in the middle of the night one night when I was at the end of my road when I thought I was about ready to die. And she said that Jesus loved me. And uh, before that, I would have chalked it up as one of those trite things that church people say. But suddenly in that moment, I knew that she was talking about a living and a holy God, that he loved me just as I was. And that was the last night I felt a need to take a drink or a pill. This is wonderful and moving, and I really appreciate your courage and honesty. We want to talk more about this, but first, let's listen to your next song. What is this one? This song is a, a song that's really an ode to my dad. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is a favorite Christmas traditional song that we've done in a little bit of an untraditional way on the new oh, album. Oh, we love untraditional ways in Great. this show. Okay, here's another untraditional song by Sylvia Lang. O Come, O Come,
to hear your music. I mean, I have heard your voice all the time and I just think it's so beautiful, but these two songs are just stunning. Well, not only beautiful, but that version of Emmanuel was the most beautiful version I've ever heard. Oh, thank you. It was really, really beautiful. And say that to all your Emmanuel singers. We had a lady that sang about Emmanuel just last week. That's it. That's it. Well, coming from the, the, you know, a a musical perspective, um, you were telling me earlier we have a local musician, um, someone who I absolutely adore who is on that song. Would you tell me a little bit about him? Actually, he's more than just on that song. I have a brand new Christmas album that those songs are from called Pure Christmas, and it was produced by a local artist and producer by the name of Peter Sprague. Many of your listeners will recognize his work. He's a renowned guitarist in um, the jazz world and has become a good friend over the last couple of years, and he produced that album for me, and that was him playing just now on that song as well. Well, I love this album, Pure Christmas. It has a beautiful packaging. I wish you could all see it, Radio Land. I am just sandwiched between talent today. This is such a humbling experience. Sylvia, what kind of response do you usually get to your concerts or when you sing in church? Oh, that's a... People writing and telling I you about your albums. I give her a standing ovation. Oh, that's I'm a nice like question. right up there in front going, yay! Well, it's actually, it's kind of an experience because I always like to think of myself as more than just a singer. I have a message that I think God's asked me to give and um, the response is usually quite emotional, hopefully life-changing. Okay, here is our third entree from Sylvia Lang.
Bob Siegel. In addition to radio and public speaking, I love to write novels. Some of these novels are for kids, and when I write for them, I try to think about what kind of book I would have loved when I was a kid. So I'm sure you can understand how satisfying it is to read a customer review such as this one that a parent put up on Amazon.com next to my children's novel, The Dangerous Christmas Ornament. I bought this book when it first came out, read it, and thought it very good. My 11-year-old son, who I could never get to read a book from cover to cover willingly, recently was told he had to read in homeroom at school. He asked if he could use my Kindle because another child in the class was using one. This book is on my Kindle, so I suggested he read it. He has not put it down since. I have to take the Kindle into my room at night because he stays up reading. He told me tonight that he is almost done with the book and asked me to download the sequel. I wish there was one. I would recommend this book for anyone with a kid who likes to read and anyone with a kid who doesn't. Well, that was then, and this is now, because the much-anticipated sequel to The Dangerous Christmas Ornament is finally here. It even has a title. It's called Inside the Castle in the Glass. The Dangerous Christmas Ornament and Inside the Castle in the Glass, available in both ebook versions and print versions on Amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. Let me now, ahead of time, thank you so much for taking your time to join us today. You're absolutely fantastic. You have a beautiful voice. You're talented. I appreciate your honesty in talking about things like uh, having formerly been involved with alcoholism. There's people that are listening that are listening to that, and it's ministering to them, and you're willing to put things on the line Thanks. to minister to them. But I know you had something you wanted to tell us about your daughter. And oh, it's just, a, just love- the best Christmas gift that my husband and I have ever received. Um, last Christmas, we had just finished up our Christmas celebration and had opened up all of our Christmas gifts um, for each other. And when it was all done, we were cleaning up the trash and our daughter kind of came back in the room and she said, you know, I have another Christmas gift for you. And she said, but I couldn't wrap this one. And she went on to tell us that she'd made a decision at the age of 26 to um, accept Jesus Christ as her personal savior and saw that as the ultimate Christmas gift to us. And it still chokes me up to think about it because we couldn't have agreed more after years of praying for her, for her to come around as an adult woman and decide that Jesus is the real thing and that it's more than just a high, wonderful energy source out there, but it's and, truly wow. God. And with all your accomplishments, and you have many, many laurels to sit on, probably nothing beats that one. Nothing beats it. What a blessing. How did Wolf become a Christian? Was he already a Christian when no, you met him? No, Wolf was raised in Europe. He was raised in an austere, legalistic um, church background, and he got cancer and had his life on the line at the age of 50. And um, laying in a hospital room, he'd been listening to the words of his sister who'd been telling him about God for all these years and finally it all came and made sense to him when he realized when it's all been said and done he wanted to know where he was going to be forever and ever and realized that accepting Jesus as his savior was really the only way that he could know that for certain and in his hospital room he became a Christian and what kind of cancer did he have he had prostate cancer came through with flying colors he came through with flying he's colors he's doing great so he has been here this happens sometimes by God using the skills of the surgeon Absolutely. and I know many people who were just miraculously healed of leukemia brain cancer so God does these things everybody okay and what are your favorite composers who are what are the songs that have moved you and inspired you the most for Christmas uh, you could start with Christmas but in Christmas, general probably as well. Uncle Hugh I gotta say that song really gets especially those new words have yourself a blessed little Christmas the Bob Siegel show podcast is a production of Bob Siegel and cross global media visit us online and subscribe to the show at cgmradio.com/ Bob 